So what happened there? What do you mean? Well, why did you get all weird when I put my finger up your ass? What the hell was that? Mr. Griffin, that's a prostate exam. Shut up! You had your finger in my ass! That's how a prostate exam is performed. Stick your finger in my... Pony ass. That's good. I am sure there are guys who have fingered you in the ass long enough that eventually you let them fuck it. And now you think you got me bent over with your finger in my ass thinking I'm gonna let you do the same. I am not like you, Dana. You will not fuck me in the ass. Do you know how when you doo-doo and stuff? And the doodle comes out, and kind of the doodle is like formed with other little doodles, other little pebbles of doodle and stuff. And they're all shapes. They're all shapes. Some of them, you know, shaped like little wedges, some little balls, um, some of them, you know, octagon like different shapes and sizes making up this one big turd. The first time we had sex, she tried sticking her finger in my ass. No warning at all, just did it. It scared me, to be honest. Hi, welcome to Last Man on Earth. My name is Lex Jurgen. and as always, I'm Flake by Matt Ralston. Matt admitted this week that once in the 90s, he wore blackface to a party. In his defense, it was really just to match his black dress and strappy black heels, and he did very well for himself that evening. One man's vile racism is another man's just trying to earn some beer money during college. <laughs> Have you ever uh, put shoe polish on your face? No. Um, and when I was in sixth grade, I dressed as a black character. Yes. But I did not do the makeup. I dressed as Chris Rock from the movie CB4. Wow, that's M- pretty... MC Gusto. That's pretty, <laughs> that's, uh, pretty subtle. Uh, did, anyone, <laughs> did anyone understand who you were? Yeah, I mean, it was like a real cult movie for like sixth graders. So it the costume went off really, really well. And there were black kids in my class. They didn't care, obviously. I don't know how... Uh, I like the fact that Ralph Northam said that he, un- he you have to understand how hard it is to get shoe polish off your face. <laughs> like That was one of his things. Like I put very little... The governor of Virginia put... I put very little black shoe polish on my face because you all know how hard it is to get shoe polish yeah, off your face. he went into that like makeup lesson about... <laughs> yeah. So you just use a little bit like, and under... Because it's hard to rub off. I'm like, did this guy... Like, I don't live... I had never heard of him before this happened. No. But like... Is this guy just a loon? He's like a total goofy lunatic. He just seemed like a lo- the, the time when he's about to start moon moonwalking and his <laughs> wife grabbed him and said inappropriate. That's awesome. He just looked like a dumb. Uh, he looked like it was almost like a, a dumbass like fake movie politician moment. But I, I honestly, I honestly, this is why whenever you come up with conspiracy th- theories about politicians and so forth. I just try to remind you that mostly they're just fucking dumbbell chuckleheads. Yeah. These guys are not, and I don't care if you're a pediatrician or not. It doesn't really matter. These guys are fucking idiots. Well, is it? Yeah, because that is the type of guy. I don't know how dumb he is. He obviously is not street smart. I think we no. can agree with that. But he graduated medical school, but he just acts like a fucking retard. I just think there's a lot. My theory is that mayors are very street smart. And governors are idiots. That's always been my working theory. Yeah. That like, the, t- t- if you're like a street smart mayor of Detroit or even L.A. or some other city, you're very in tune. You probably came up, you know, in the city. You know that you know the beat really well. You're a smarter guy, at least street smarter guy. Yeah. But the people who rise to the level of governor are the ones who are just jovial chuckleheads who can play the game and don't have a lot of baggage. Yeah, it's like being in the military. Like you rise yes. faster if you don't ask too many questions. <laughs> yes. An empty suit, an empty suit like a Gavin Newsom is going to rise much faster. 
than somebody who's like actually from the street, from the streets. Yeah. He's going to have a lot of enemies. Uh, this week's show is sponsored by the Congressional Female Caucus, all dressed in white suits for the State of the Union address. With more women than ever in Congress, it's time for America to adjust to the inevitable. Tons more fashion-based protests. <laughs> the Congressional Female Caucus, they're an overly obvious bunch. I know, Matt, you love uh, a protest where people get to do fun things as part of their, part of their activism. Get to go buy new outfits <laughs> yes. or send your, uh, your assistant down. Your page, your uh, what do you call it, clerk? Your clerk to go, your your uh, your administrative assistant to go. And by the way, I think those have to be. Ta- I would assume those are tailored because it's not like they have. Some of those ladies are large, some are small. Uh, like Ocasio Cortez has a nice body, but most of them are larger ladies, and so I assume they just can't grab off the rack. So they must have had someone come in and measure them or go somewhere to get them all measured. But I just love a good protest when for ladies when you get to buy really cool fashionable stuff. Fashionable stuff. Yeah, it's. That's really going to make a difference. They could have worn like, you know, moo-moos or like uh, some kind of shawls or something like that. But they went with like really trendy, like uh, Steve Martin 70s uh, white, white suits. Yeah, the protest is always a step up. It's, yeah. it's, you never protest by making yourself look worse. No. And it was, and it was drawing attention to yourself. Or just something. It seemed to me like this is where we're headed. And I'm all, I'm all for qualified women being Congress people, of course, because fucking congressmen are fucking all horrible people. But, you know, if your first idea of the, pro- I think it started with like, let's wear, let's f- figure a way to wear cool things, like make, and then we'll figure out what the protest is. Or like the pussy hats, yes. like, you know, let's find out a, a way to wear goofy things or ha- have something that'll look funny on Instagram. Yeah. And, you know, the cause <clears throat> comes second, I think. And then there was a big article today in one of the women's magazines, how uh, Orcasio Cortez doesn't owe you a smile. Like, because she she refused to smile during. I mean, obviously it was planned. She refused to smile during the address, knowing the camera would be on her a lot because yeah. she just has much bigger breasts than all the other female congresswomen combined, and uh, and so she refused to smile. The whole thing is, some people called her like a sullen teenager. Mm-hmm. Then the women's magazines fought back and said she owes you nothing, not even a smile. Like, okay, like really, like you can't smile. Like she's not allowed to smile. What the hell is this? She like goth. <laughs> yeah, going through like a tough. Well, every male politician has to smile like a dickless idiot whenever he leaves the house. Well, what, why is she different? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I just the white thing was just was just amazing. And then they had to pretend to like be taking notes and stuff like that. The only guy who was taking notes was Bernie Sanders, who was literally taking notes. I love Bernie for his own personal. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bernie only because I know so many old Jewish guys just like that. Yeah. And he's like literally the guy who's taking notes when everyone's just kind of waiting for the thing to be over. And then he's then he made his own personal like rebuttal that nobody cared about. What do you think it'd be like to uh, to work at a restaurant and have to wait on? Oh God! Oh God! (laughs) But he he would be just the most stereotypical Jewish guy. uh, Yes, he would. I mean, he he seems like he doesn't self edit a lot. Like he's unaware, except when he like has to apologize for shit. I don't understand the cult of Bernie. Just maybe because, like I said, I know so many grumpy old Jewish men, they would never occur to me that they should be in charge of something. <laughs> like, th- th- he might be a smart guy, he might be nice to have around for some ideas, but it would never occur to me to put that guy actually in charge of me, over me. <laughs> like, I think it's just refreshing. People find him refreshing because he, he's almost like the, the liberal Trump. Like, he, yes. he says things that he thinks. He's, he's, um, all, he's a combination of a socialist, outspoken guy, but also just an old guy. Yeah, and old guy, old people just don't edit themselves anymore. They're like, you know, once you get over like seventy five, it's like being under ten and progressively. So you're just like a like a five year old at some point where you just spurt, spurt out what's in your mind. 
Yeah, and he's also watched the country go in the opposite direction. That I mean, he's lost ninety eight percent of his battles. Yeah. So at this true. point, he's it's just. True. I, I read yeah. actually. I read something where he's never actually passed a bill. Yeah. Like he's been in Congress for like twenty five years, and he's never had a bill passed of, that he's initiated. That's gotta be. That's gotta be somewhat frustrating. Like just like what are you done for twenty five years? No, well, because no. his bills are like no more cars. Yeah, you're like what? <laughs> like, no, you know he's, some guys. You know, but you need. I think you need guys like that, right? Yeah, so you yeah. need people outliers to. You know, I always loved Ron Paul because he was a the libertarian guy. He'd always, you know, like he was the one guy who said, "No, we're not going to go to war in Iraq." Like, no, Saddam Hussein's fine. We're not going to take overthrow him, or we're not going. I'm not going to sign on the Patriot Act, Patriot Act, even though everybody else in the entire house is. And he's going to lose no matter what. But you get to give your one speech, yeah. and then everyone ignores you. No one's there. You're always giving that speech on the floor of the, of the Congress, of the House, or the Senate, where nobody's in the audience. Yeah, yeah. And then people just ignore you and pretend you're not. Pretend you win over there. like 80 Americans <laughs> yes. who are like, oh, that's a good guy right yes, there. Yes, on C-SPAN. You do really well on C-SPAN. Uh, do not forget to become a patron of the show on patreon.com forward slash Earth. Thanks to all our new patrons getting the shit now before it disappears. If you wish to contact the show, hit us up on Twitter at Lastman Podcast or on Facebook, also Lastman Podcast. All right, on to the show. Matt, you're tracking Jesse Smollett, the Jesse. I believe you've been in Chicago for the last week, <laughs> digging up, digging up dirt on. Uh, uh, the, the, like I don't know how many people, detectives from the Chicago police are on this case, but I know the FBI is on it now too. But if it's like twenty people, I'd say it's twenty two, twenty two, twenty two many. Yeah, like in a city where there's like seventeen murders a week, you pull. We got to pull people off those murders and get on the Smollett case. On the Smollett case, what's what's your update? Because I know you wrote a piece on MattRalston.net uh, where you guarantee that it, this is a hoax. Yeah, it's a hoax. It's it's. I guarantee that it's not. It didn't go down the way he says. So, and I think the cops. See, cops are very petty. And usually cops are in the wrong. Nine times out of ten, they're covering up something that they did that's blatantly unconstitutional. So you're not you're approaching this not as a pro-cop person? Not at all. But, you know, in this case, the cops are right, and the cops are none too appreciative of the fact that he filed a false police report, and it looks like they're going to actually go after him. You think so? I don't... Well, here's the thing. So I, I don't think... Uh, politically, I don't think... I, you and I disagree on this. I don't think they're going to go after him just because it's such a liberal city and Rahm Emanuel runs the city and it's heavily Democrat and black and gay uh, components of the city are very important to politics. So I disagree with you on that. They well, will the cops want to. Oh, yes. I that, mean, whether or not they will have that opportunity. I think they'll, they'll be told. Shut down at some point. Yeah, I think they'll be told. They'll be like every once a week, someone will leak out some leads that they're looking at and they'll do this for about six more weeks and then hope everyone just forgets about it. Yeah. The wild card to me is Smollett. Because he obviously played it up like shit at his at the Troubadour last week when he did his performance with his broken ribs. It turned out that he didn't have he didn't have broken ribs. He had a scratch on his face. <laughs> a scratch. So he went to a doctor in L.A. that cleared him to perform. Yes. If you believe that, and if you believe that, I, <laughs> I don't even know how people are writing this, reporting on this with a straight face. That he would go to a doctor to uh, be approved for a, a singing performance at Troubadour with a uh, a three stitch laceration on his face. Yeah, I mean, if I said to you, I have some aliens in my basement, would you then write an article and not say, and this seems dubious? Or Like, how come 
Well, how, how come he's able to say these things and they get reported like it like it's the thing reasonable? Is, the thing is, here's the crazy thing. So like the le- the right leaning publications all wrote alleged attack, and then all the left leaning publications just write attack. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I hate to be approved of the right wing uh, outlets, but it is alleged attack. There's no proof the attack occurred. He said the attack occurred, but if you're writing this as a as a journalist, you have to say alleged attack. So there's literally, there's been no police indication, there's no evident, evidentiary indication other than his word that he was attacked, and so therefore you have to write alleged attack. Yeah. But they've just taken it as fait accompli, and I'll just report in on the aftermath of like what Terrence Howard is up to in terms of fighting for the rights of Jesse Smollett, what the Empire cast is doing, you know, what uh, Alyssa Milano has to say about ra- ra- racial hate in, in Trump's America. Um, well, I get that. I mean, 99 times out of 100... Like, yeah, I take it at face value. Really? Really? Like a, a MAGA hat wearing Chicago at Chicago? I no, mean, yeah. no, no. I'm just saying if someone said I was oh, yes. harassed yes. on the street, it's usually there's not a whole lot of reason someone would make that up. No. But if you're doing it in, in this case where if you kind of just read what he says happened, you, you start just kind of wondering, you know, if, if this is true. I, I think with, without even you know suspecting that it's not but you you just look at his account and it just doesn't add up that's why i don't understand why assuming this is this was staged or it's fake or he was attacked he was clearly someone clearly punched him it looked like he got punched so someone hit him or there was a scuffle of some kind because you know you don't really punch nobody punches themselves except in like a really bad movies it's just I think morton downey did Oh, yeah, he might. Yes, he did. At <laughs> the very least, you get your friend to punch you to make it look realistic. Yeah. It's just not that easy to punch yourself. I've thought about it before. I'm trying to kind of picture how I would do it right now. And yeah. It, yeah, it'd be hard to um, I can see like a, 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 leave a mark. Like a special forces soldier doing it for some reason, <laughs> but like a gay dude in Chicago, like a gay actor, yeah. doesn't seem like the kind he would brutalize himself to, to make up a story. So he got in some kind of he got in some kind of altercation or scuffle with somebody. It could have been what people are saying called the grinder date gone the grinder date gone bad. I suggested perhaps he was just buying some drugs from some guys on the street or whatever. I think that he may have coordinated with someone, met someone to rough him up like a friend. Really? That's that's what I would lean towards. But it is. But either way, like I just wonder who goes out at two in the morning in negative temperatures to do anything to do. You got to really be committed to set up your plan when it's so fucking cold. That's so crazy. And to go to a subway, <laughs> yes, like which is which is gross. No one likes it. He's you know he's doing pretty well for himself. He could Postmates. It's Chicago. Like there's a pizza yes. place that delivers. At you don't see like a lot of upscale gay men in the subway in the subway sandwich shop. No, it's it goes along with this whole thing being ill conceived. Like he needed an excuse to leave the house. It's just bad writing. I'm, I really need a subway sandwich. <laughs> yes. I'm gonna walk there in minus nine degrees by the camera where the cameras don't where the cameras don't follow you. <laughs> And then I'll be gone for 60 seconds and be attacked by guys with an elaborate set of uh, props and tools. And then I'll, yeah, after I fend off, within a 60-second span, after I am subsequently assaulted, uh, noose, bleach, and fought them off, all within 60 seconds, so that's that's some yes. quality editing there, um, he retained the sandwich. Yeah. So he must have really wanted that sandwich because he, he, he thought when all was said and done, you know, leave the noose on for evidence and make sure you grab that sandwich. And his corroboration was the fact that he was on the telephone with his manager, but he won't release his telephone to show the phone record. Now, by the way, 
I understand the idea of not wanting to release your telephone because God knows what he has on his telephone. <laughs> right. I wouldn't give my phone. I would give my phone either. But if I said, like, here's, here, I could prove it happened. I was talking to my manager at 2 12 a.m., I would release my phone records, I suppose, something along those lines. The manager said he called him and heard the altercation. Yeah, so the manager's lying. I agree. I agree. Also, well. He's got to cover for it. This may be his only client. He's got but to cover. what would it matter even if he was on the phone with the manager? I don't, I, I'm well, the manager claims he heard the, the racial attack. Right. So I, mean, if, 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 I do think he was probably on the phone with his manager, I would guess, because his manager is his music manager right? who set up the show three days later. In L.A. Yeah, I don't. I, I think the whole thing's. I think the whole thing's fall, falling to pieces. It's really sad because this is just like one of those fake, fake, false rape allegations. There are, are obviously rapes. There are obviously there are obviously hate crimes that take place. There are obviously people that are. I mean, so they, apparently the the news stories they were getting the, the Empire cast in Chicago to the studios there get a lot of hate mail, including some homophobic and racist hate mail, mm-hmm. which is probably true-ish. They probably do. Because there are the guys in Alabama who are writing letters to black shows and just threatening shit. They're idiot, you know, just fucking racist idiots. Um, but maybe that gave him the idea to do this. But I, there just aren't many, there aren't a history of hate attacks in Chicago. It's just not there uh, yeah. against, bla- against well, black people. Well, there's the question of that letter that he received to the set that said, die black fag or you will die black fag or something. And the like cut that. out magazine letters. Yeah. No, we don't know if. If that was real, and maybe maybe he did get the idea from that, or maybe he sent the letter to himself, as a lot of people who stage these kind of things do. But I wonder if you're uh, all the people that that have you know that are on the show, uh, uh, Terrence Howard and other celebrities. I'm trying to think of that, you know, said we stand with him and whatnot. Did have they like read sort of what happened? Like, does are <laughs> Do, well, I did think they, they said, not know that it seems kind of off. I think they said that in the first twenty-four hours. Yeah, because you kind of had to, and then I think now they're just slowly like somebody gets to them and says like, "Hey, you might want to stop <laughs> making <laughs> yeah. this your cause de jour, right, right. because this is looking a little suspicious." I, I think if you interviewed one veteran detective in the Chicago Police Force, uh, you know, and he could talk off the record, he would tell you this is he knew this was bullshit the first hour into it. They always, I always feel like, like veteran detectives know exactly what's happening, and they would tell you just from the circumstance that this was set up. I knew it was bullshit when I saw the headline. Really? Yeah, and I, I mean, I wasn't convinced, but just when I saw, it, I went, eh, I don't know, like an actor hate crime news. I don't know. I just, I thought it was fake, and uh, it I, seemed, did, I didn't know. It seemed. I mean, from, uh, first I thought I was at a bar, so I thought maybe just drunk guys got in a fight. And then when I, you know, there could be some racist at a bar and they see this guy and he's like sort of lilting and yeah. gayish and stuff like that. And just want to beat up. a Kind of follow him out. Yeah, follow him out. Or he says something to him, like he provokes him maybe. And that maybe they are wearing Trump hats. I don't know that anybody in the entire city region of Chicago is wearing Trump hats. <laughs> but the last time Trump was in Chicago, there were like 25,000 protesters like lighting shit up on fire black lives matter like tearing down the civic center trying to kill kill all the like the eight trump people that were there and they've never they've never gone back since well he's not a trump it's not a trump town he got he got a condolence or whatever from trump he oh yeah trump this got all the way up to trump condemning right away the attack and uh, unfortunately i mean well because of what happened after charlottesville when he Kind of was on the fence when he was on the f- decided to stay on the fence for a little while. That's putting it generously. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, emboldening uh, Nazis. Uh, 
but when this is found to be fake, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, Trump's going to have a field day with this. You think so? I think he's. I think. Well, he may. I know his advisors will tell him to lay off it. Whenever you have, a, whenever you kind of have a win, you got to like uh, just let it sit there. But so I think Smalley is. It's the wild card in this whole thing. I think it's you're going to see all the law enforcement people, all the politically correct people, just sort of let it die in the vine mm-hmm. and hope it goes away. But the wild card is Smollett, because if he continues to to bring this stuff up and how he's you know this. If he becomes a Terry Crews and makes this a Terry Crews moment, and by the way, maybe he was inspired by Terry Crews, who suddenly whose career took a big upward trend after getting his balls cut by a dude at the William Morris party. Uh, if he continues to like mention this over and over again and take on the Kaepernick the Kaepernick role, then I think it's a problem because then people have to come out and say, "Look, dude, you lied. You this is you know fabrication." But I think everyone's kind of hoping he just lets it go away. Think about it, think about what you're learning though, like. Cruz Kaepernick has done very well for himself. Uh, he kind of ran the whole kind of ran the whole Super Bowl from afar. Yeah. So I can see opportunists thinking like being the victim is is a is a good place to be for the next five next five years. Well, he didn't. I mean, he doubled down pretty early when he did that concert and said, you know, I've been misrepresented and and um, you know the media is getting this wrong and and now it just keeps coming out that his you know his story <laughs> sucks. The noose was just like a. <laughs> it wasn't a noose. It was just like a th- piece th- of rope. It was a clothesline. Yeah, it was. It was very well. Maybe the maybe the MAGA attackers did not have the, the full noose. So they had to impromptu come up with something. Well, I think if you're into this kind of thing, you're really into the props, right? It's the ritual is based on the props, the hoods. It has to be right. The MAGA right. hats. The, yeah. The noose. You're gonna have a legit movie noose like a. You know, out of out of uh, Eastwood movie or something. Yeah, they said if you You're look at the old have a night a clothesline. If you look at the old like lynching photos from the, the Deep South, they had they had some nice nooses. Yeah, yeah. They spent a lot of time in those nooses. Quality items. Yeah. Not easy to tie, by the way. A noose? No. No, no. I assume there was like a specialist guy they had who they would go to. Like Fred was the noose guy. Even they called it nooses. <laughs> All right, Smollett, you're embarrassing us Jews now. It's time to time to time to call time to call an end to this. I, I think he's gonna. I think his manager reps will say. Shut, shut the fuck up about this, and that's what's going to happen. Matt, Liam Neeson. I don't know when I became aware of Liam Neeson as an actor. I've actually always liked Liam Neeson. He just does not have a great range, <laughs> but he does. What he does, he does very well. And he also... He was Oscar Schindler, right? Yes, he was. He was great in that. But, I mean, he, since then, he's just taking these action roles for the last 20 years. Well, I heard when his what was his wife's name? The actress uh, Richardson. Uh, the the forget her name. So. Something Richardson. She died in a skiing accident. Yeah, apparently that's when he started doing all these super crappy movies because he just wanted to work all the time. He didn't care anymore. So he, otherwise, he'd like drink himself to death or something. Uh, he's well, he is Irish. You know these people. Um, <laughs> any excuse? Dead wife in a skiing accident? Just try to take up the bottle. Uh, so he did this, but I think he's generally well liked. I mean, people like Liam Neeson. He's a he seems like a funny, likable guy. He makes likable movies as this sort of. Two two note character and taken movies and so forth, two dimensional character. So he came out, and I don't understand why people do this, but like uh, older white guys are now, I think in the in the vein of Ralph Northam in Virginia and the Attorney General coming out to admit their racial sins of the past. So his his sin he admitted in a in an article uh, talking about his acting in a U, in a UK paper was to admit that forty years ago he had a friend, uh, presumably a white female friend, who was raped by a black dude. 
And then after she was raped, he became so enraged, all that he could think about was going out to the street and just beating up some black dudes as revenge. Yeah, he said he was like walking the streets looking for a black guy <laughs> yes. carrying a club or <laughs> something, some weapon of some sort. I mean, he was like, what, he must have been like 20, 19, 20 years old then. Uh, he was an angry guy. I mean, so I think he was, it, in a weird way, I think he wanted to, he has his guilt about that, about that. And this is all being dredged up now with all the all the racial politics of today. And so even though it was 40 years ago, and even though he didn't actually attack anybody, I think he's probably felt guilty for well, 40 years. Well, he went looking for a black guy, and I was listening to the, his interview, and I'm like, well, I'm not surprised he didn't find one. No. Because I don't believe... Were there black guys in Northern Ireland in the seventies <laughs> and eighties? There weren't. A, there weren't a lot. <laughs> like there was probably there was probably one black guy. Never knew where he lived. He probably got beat up by a lot. One of black guy is a rapist. I mean, what, <laughs> yes. like, what are the odds? <laughs> well, there's a lot of you know black. Is Irish. he seen? Like, did this possibly? He's just kind of out imagining there. this a little bit. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible. I think this feels. This feels like one of those things you did as a teenager. Maybe it's it's kind of fuzzy now. But he's lived with this guilt for whatever many years, and now as a sort of like in the era we're in, he felt a need to confess his confess his racial sins, and it it sounded really horrible. But at the same time, you know, it's he didn't do anything. He hasn't done anything since. He seems like a very very culturally and racially accepting guy, a very progressive guy, um, who you know at the time as a teenager was was you know an angry an angry dude, and he was reacting to some trauma in his life. But he's taking though, so they have to can't, he has this movie coming out, which is why he's doing press, uh, cold, whatever the hell it's called. It's, it's <laughs> like about a snowplow. Yeah, <laughs> kills people with a snowplow or something. It looked horrible. Take, it's actually a remake of a film, believe it or not. It's a, a, a taken with a snowplow. Like <laughs> that's how I think it was pitched. But they had to cancel the rest of his interviews. They had to cancel the red carpet. They canceled the the red carpet premiere. Everything where that he might get deluged by reporters because, of course, the studio is thinking, now, oh, God, he's going to be painted as this horrible racist, and now people are going to go online and social media and try and tank the movie, uh, all sorts of stuff, which, by the way, has happened to a number of films. So, you know, it's not, it's not completely paranoid. But I'm wondering about, like, that, is that something, like, you know, isn't, isn't this the exact moment where you want people to confess these horrible, isn't this your, your, your cliche teachable moment to teach people that, like, this racism exists in a lot of people, and sometimes, especially when they're young and angry men, it comes out. Uh, but you need to overcome. You need to overcome this. Wouldn't this have been the perfect moment to of acceptance for him versus like just mob mob mentality? Well, I almost feel that's kind of like why he told the story. He wasn't right. telling the story as like just a standalone. Oh, I'll tell you a funny story. One time, I wanted to beat up a black dude. <laughs> yes. Anyway, back to the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like he was, he was coming from like a sympathetic place with it and and he it was in a certain context as, of which he was saying it and it sounded weird obviously but um yeah it's it's like you know the left wanting to shut down all this speech is and whitewash everything is um you know it's it's having consequences such as people aren't allowed to speak their mind and and the line keeps getting drawn further and further and uh you know, it's becoming very totalitarian. Yeah, and it's not like... So he's not like he's the governor. He's not an elected official. He doesn't have any power over anybody. So I can see the difference between between uh, Liam Neeson and, and the governor, or the attorney general of Virginia. You don't really necessarily want an openly racist person in those positions or even a past racist because they have dominion over, say, black people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, they actually have legislative and executive power over 
black people, which is scary. If I was a black person and I found out the guy who was my governor was used to do blackface, I'd be fucking very upset and not want him to be my governor. But Liam Neeson is just a movie actor. So even if he still harbored some racist feelings deep down from his childhood, he's just a movie actor. He's not doing it. He's not, you know, everything he says and, and does in public is very progressive and very accepting. So if he has some real deep, deep feelings against black people, it's not evident. It doesn't affect anybody. Well, he's not stupid. If he had, you know, negative feelings about black people, he would have never told a story like no, that. No, no. I mean, if he was still doing it, yeah, I'm going out next week too. If anyone wants to come with me, I'm no, going to get. Some, I'm going to get that Smollett guy. Finish up the Smollett job. The entire point. I mean, if you see, if you know any racists, when they're around black people, they're on their best behavior. Yes. Um, you know, they're laughing at the jokes. They're. Um, because they're pussies. talking about their black friend. Yeah, their one black friend. They're total cowards and pussies, and um, you know that's the way those people act. So if you're actually like, I'm not a racist, and I I grew up with with black friends and all kinds of friends, and I will chime in my opinion on uh, pretty much anything I want without hoping it doesn't sound wrong. Um, Agree. You know. Well, you won't drop n bombs. No, but that's just out of respect, and and why would I anyway? I mean, <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, I'll drop an in bomb if I'm uh, quoting a song. If I'm, if oh I'm, yeah, but you don't speak. You're not speaking colloquially with people of different like, of different backgrounds, as if you're one. As if you're one, you have some respect, some line of respect. No, I don't know if it's respect. It's just I. Inappropriate. I, I don't think I'm black. Yes, I, just because I grew up with black people, I don't consider myself black. I I think we're all different. And that, and that's fine, but you know if, if, but being being not a racist, I will routinely ask black people why it's racist to say that they like fried chicken, and I know that they they do. Um, do you question them while you're feeling their hair? Putting <laughs> <laughs> your hand, asking if you can feel their hair. No, but my <laughs> uncle, I have a nephew who's younger. He was like seven or eight, and my uncle told my nephew to feel my black friend's hair <laughs> and he was not happy about i understand it. that's the one of the major one of the larger <laughs> pet peeves <laughs> yeah uh you will like when you're playing basketball though like the first time you touch a black guy's hair you will find certain ways to accidentally just to see gotta what, feel what it's like just once or twice you know just to know what it's like <laughs> not, i never wanted to grab another guy's <laughs> grab another guy's <laughs> hair but here's this here's, here's one of the ironies so like I always think about Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg seems like a decent enough guy now in his adult life. He's a does a lot of charity work. He's a nice guy. Outside of the, ro- the massive amount of roids he takes and the fact that he's a horrible, <laughs> horrible actor, which isn't his fault, even though he's the highest paid actor in Hollywood. Uh, he seems like he's got like 87 kids. He seems like a good guy. He's always at his kids' football games and sports games, being the sports dad. Seems like a yeah, like a boring dad. A boring dad. He donates a lot to charity. He's like a devout Catholic, apparently. So he still goes to church all the time and does like stuff with the church. He should fire his manager for allowing him to act in a bunch of scenes alongside Christian Bale. <laughs> Anybody. That, that was embarrassing. I mean, just the the disparity of talent. Anyway, keep going. Well, that's true in every. It's true in every single movie. I mean. When he's with like in, in the Departed with uh, Leo DiCaprio and Matt Damon and so forth, yeah, it's just like he plays a Southie, idiot, a dumb Southie racist really well, uh, or, you know, with like, like a falsetto voice for some reason. It's some weird thing where his like, voice gets up really high. And actually, he was pretty good in Boogie Nights as a dumb porn star. Yeah. So like, or the boxing movie where he's a boxer. Anytime he plays like a dumb guy, he does it. He pulls it off well because he seems like a really dumb guy. Yeah. 
But yeah, anytime they have to, he has to emote, then you have, you have a problem. But 30 years ago, so 30 years ago, he was in uh, South Boston chasing around like Vietnamese refugees <laughs> with a, literally with a two by four. You can't get more redneck than that. Anytime you pick up a two by four and chase somebody with it, you're a redneck. There's just no way around that. Yeah. I don't it's know why. The bottom baseball. of the barrel in terms of weapons, too. Or baseball bats. Baseball bats is another one they use. Well, them. a bat, you can really do some damage. But when you hold a two by four, just ergonomically, it's you know it's it's not much to work with. No, it's not really. It's more of like a scare person people with. Yeah. You don't see like a, a in like martial arts them picking up like two by fours as like a defensive attack weapon. Like there's a, there's other forms of sticks that seem to be uh, much more effective in terms of one on one combat. Yeah, you want something tapered. Um, but in Walking Tall, in Walking Tall, which is a movie they all loved, uh, Buford T- Buford Pusser. Sher- uh, the sheriff carried the uh, clean up the town with the two by four. That was his thing. I mean, granted, you're going after a defenseless, diminutive Asian man with the. Yes. It doesn't really matter how powerful your weapon is when no. they're, they're not expecting to be the victim of a hate crime. No, they've just come seven thousand miles from the killing fields, and they're uh, they think they're in Boston, which uh, isn't the best place in the world in South Boston. But at least they figure like there aren't guys with uh, automatic weapons who are going to kill them because of the last name. And then here along comes Mark Wahlberg and starts like saying, gooks, go home, and fucking tags you across the side of the head with a two-by-four, and you lose your eyesight. That guy, the one guy he attacked lost his eyesight permanently for the rest of his life uh, in one eye. And that was 30-some-odd, and it changed years ago. And it doesn't seem to... And again, I believe that people can be rede- redeemed, and that like what you do when you're 15 through 19 or 20, uh, outside of any criminal time you should do, of course... Shouldn't be held against you for the rest of your life. Perhaps that's why he's a religious fanatic. Yeah, you think so? Maybe. From what he, it might be, but he, he, that's never ever brought up. It's never, it's never used against him. He's never denied the right to be. He's in more movies and makes more money than anybody else. He's beloved, roundly beloved by all the A-list celebrities, and he seems like a nice guy. But he did actually like chase guys with fucking sticks and beat them, calling them uh, racist Asian names, and literally wanted to drive them out of his. Neighbor tried to his neighbor for the for the race, which is about as hateful of race crime you can, as you can get to without lighting people on fire. And but it's complete. It's been completely forgotten just because he got a pass for some reason, because he doesn't bring it up, or he's got a better PR team, or just because people have just collectively decided that he's a nice guy and so we'll forgive him for it. I don't understand how you get a pass or don't get a pass in this town. Yeah, I don't know why no one ever asked him about that. So you have Liam Neeson who. Maybe imagine. I I believe he's almost taking on his movie characters. He's he's <laughs> blurring the line between reality and fantasy. I, yes. I think at this point. But you have him saying, you know, I had this thought and uh, I was in a bad place, but I didn't do anything. And then you have Mark Wahlberg, who he didn't have a friend that was raped by an Asian guy. He just wanted to go beat up Asian guys. Just a race, just a pure ra- I mean, he was this horrible 15, 16-year-old kid from a bad part of town and with a bunch of racists, Irish racist guys mostly. Uh, and they just didn't want foreigners in their they didn't want foreigners in their neighborhood. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm down with forgiving people. I I guess 30 years is a long time now. If he hadn't become a teen heartthrob and you know parlayed that into a movie career inexplicably, um, would he still be out doing similar shit? I, probably not. But no, I think I think it's a young man. I think it's a young guy's. I think that that the the hate attacks. I guess there's some, I don't really know, but I, I'm guessing like you know people got young men are horrible people. 
They're yeah. violent. They're aggressive. They're, they're they're drunk a lot. They just do crazy, stupid shit. And his stupid shit was actually criminal. It was deeply criminal. So it wasn't just like a, a, a phase. I mean, he went to jail for a period of time. Um, he was arrested, went to jail for a period of time. So, you know, it was a little more than, mo- more than most people. I'm trying to think if I... So I have a friend whose name I won't say, but I know that he he used to be... He used to, like, break people's bones for the mob. Mm. Um, he's a big, giant, intimidating guy. And now he's a pretty successful actor. Um, and I always thought, that's eh, kind of weird. I don't know. It's a little, uh, you know, I don't want to go. Uh, you know, we're not best friends, put yes. it that way. Uh, if I was friends with Mark Wahlberg, he's 50 years old, and he said, well, you know, when I was 17, I used to beat up uh, gooks with, uh, with a two-by-four. <laughs> Uh, just because they were Asian, I don't know. I, I I don't know how I would react to that. I don't know if we'd still be the same kind of friends. That's not something you bring up on the first date, I don't think, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> so. Well, no one would ever bring it up. I mean, it got brought up because... Why? It was still in the books, right? Well, it was, cover- it was covered up at first because, you know, he was a teen pop star. So who knows what teen pop stars did before they became huge pop stars. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these guys have passed. I don't think most of these guys, successful guys, used to beat up Asian guys with two-by-fours. But, you know, they had drug offenses or sexual offenses. Or, I mean, let's just look at the Brian Singer shit and other stuff that's been covered up for 20 years. If I covered up, I mean, everyone knew about it, but no one cared. No one seemed to, they pretended they didn't care about it or pretended it didn't exist. Yeah. So, I mean, what are you going to do to Wahlberg? Say, like, you can never work again because of what you did when you're 17. Uh, maybe at the time they would have picked someone else to be Marky Mark because it could have literally been any. It could have literally been anybody. Yeah. <laughs> he just he looked good in under he looked good in, in underpants and Calvin Klein had a hard on, had a hard on for him. <laughs> I mean he he was repl- he was clearly replaceable, but he he tested well or whatever that well it was. So nobody asked him about his past and they figured nobody would care. And nobody ultimately they should know about it, but I don't think they need to care. But I just I don't know these things are like happening from like 30, 40 years ago. And you either got to, I don't care what people say, either say they can never work again or they can you, and you forgive them, but you got to be consistent, at least in your moral judgment about this stuff. Yeah, and I think talking about, I mean, the whole idea of being liberal and, and if you, those people in their personal lives are like, oh, you got to talk about it, you know, just get it out, you know, like you had a bad day, like just, you know, just, you, you know, you just got to, you know, let be, be a free spirit. And, you know, they're all about, um, you know, sharing yes. and, and being open. Yes. Except they're not. No, you know what they remind me of? They remind me of like religious people yeah. who tell you they want you to confess your sins. But then when you do, like, you know, they, they tell you they love the sinner. But then when you tell them that you're, oh, I don't know, gay or you did something wrong, then they're like, like they, you know, they bury you beneath the ground and like come come after you in trucks and try to kill you. I mean, it's just this whole idea of forgiveness. People offering it is just, you know, it's it's more of a myth, I think, than anything else. Yeah. So the lesson is like, don't talk. Just don't talk about anything. Don't put yourself out there, and and don't try and better yourself. Like that. That's essentially or keep your secrets secrets and pretend that you're you've lived a clean and completely. Uh, genuine, we'll generous have a life. shiny facade yes. of of you know being a productive member of society and being you know fake it till you make it basically, uh, and and just be dead inside and and live a fucking lie is what I'm getting out of it, which I think describes Hollywood really well <laughs> up until up until people started digging into people's past and finding their old yearbooks. Uh, I want to tell you a joke really quickly because it just came to my mind about a uh, a preacher out in the desert like one of these revivalist born agains. 
This reminds me of uh, why you would never t- confess your sins. So a preacher in the desert is out there, and he's got the revival go- tent going on. He's like urging people to confess their sins so Jesus can forgive them. They can have they can go to heaven. He's got everyone rallied up and lathered up out in the, under the tent. And he says, "Confess your sins. Jesus forgive you anything." And the first person gets up. This is a short version, and says, "You know, I uh, shoplifted uh, some food from the store. My kids were hungry. I didn't pay for it. I just ran out the back with the food." And the preacher says, oh, don't worry, ma'am. Jesus has already forgiven you. You've confessed your sins under the tent in front of Jesus. He's forgiven you for shoplifting. It's not, it's not a crime. You're going to go to heaven and so forth. The second guy gets up. Come on, anyone, tell me your sins. He says, I got to tell you, he goes, uh, I murdered my wife 15 years ago. She just driving me crazy. I couldn't get anything. Was, her marriage wasn't going well. She wanted a divorce, and I just, uh, I just killed her and murdered her. The minister's like, oh, gee, that's really bad, really bad murder. But you know what? There's no crime for which Jesus will not forgive you. If you confess your sins here under the tent, Jesus will forgive you, whatever. It's even murder. He goes, who else? Who else? The third guy gets up. He goes, minister, I got to tell you, he goes, uh, last night he goes, I got really lonely and I, I fucked the goat. And the minister says, I went to told that one. <laughs> <laughs> I always love that. But that reminds that joke has always informed me about like the, this idea of religious, of confessing your sins, you know, either on the right or the left. Yeah. Ultimately, there's some things people don't want to hear. They will never forgive. They won't forgive you for. Yeah. Je- Jesus and/or the left are only so only so willing to forgive your past your past sins. <laughs> Matt, I want to ask you about a big dick sucker. Hmm? Yes, Andy King from the <laughs> Fire Festival. We got an email from Evan. Uh, the fact that Andy King, uh, I think everyone knows Andy King now. The guy was going to. The fact that Andy King. No one knew him before the. No, 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 no one fire knew document. Now, uh, the this is what Evan calls him. The I'm willing to suck this guy's dick to make the real deal go down. Dude from the Fire Festival documentary is going to get his own reality show. Teaches us what exactly about the keys to success in show business. <laughs> so for for those who don't haven't seen the Fire Festival documentary on Netflix, uh, which I think everyone who at least uh, I think there's a hundred million accounts now on Netflix. Uh, so this is a guy who worked with Billy McFarland to put on the fire festival. He was the only level-headed guy in the entire in the entire <laughs> management structure who Billy b- brought in to be the adult in the room. And then when it turned out that the the Bahamian government was not going to release all the Evian water, which was the only water supply to the fire festival island, he asked his friend Andy, he was like, oh, what do you think? He's like a 55-year-old uh, uh, like Ward Cleaver looking all-American <laughs> uh, gay dude, uh, neatly in a, in a sweater, neatly neatly quaffed. Uh, to go blow the dude who runs the customs for for <laughs> for the Bahamas to let the Evian water flow through <laughs> flow through customs, and then the most shocking moment in the in the documentary is when Andy King then says, "And I was about I was going to I was ready to go blow him." Dude, I was watching that, and I was you know how you're watching something and you're on your laptop. No, I was tuned out. I didn't think it was all that interesting up to that point, and then I just perked up like. Yes. A, like a wolf in the wild, like wait, what? Yes. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, this is getting pretty good now. It was that perfect reversal moment, right? Because you thought he was going to say, "Billy, what the fuck? I'm not, you know, what? You're going to ask the gay dude to go blow a guy and fuck <laughs> you?" But he says, "Okay, I'll do it." <laughs> like, okay, yeah. And he said, "I was going to." He said, "I went and brushed my teeth." <laughs> yes. And and uh, and this what a, I mean, this guy is <laughs> the real toast of the gay community. Yes. Because he went to rinse his mouth out before he blew like some dirty. Government <laughs> official, Bahamian custom official, or Bahamian dude. Yeah. yeah uh, why? By the way, why do you? I, I don't know this answer. So why do you? Would you wash your mouth out before you gave a gross dude a blowjob? 
Is that a standard courtesy in the I package? Mean, I guess just if it's a better experience for the guy for you know to have a fresh mouth on his junk. So you don't have like remnants of your lunch in there or something. I don't like. Do you think the dude is getting his dick blown cares? No, I used to <laughs> oh, have it a joke. Fresh, feels fresh that I, yes. I I might still tell it occasionally on stage. But I had a girlfriend, and I asked her to blow me, and she said I. I shouldn't because I just ate a bunch of onions. <laughs> and my joke was, I don't think you can give my dick bad breath. Oh, um, that's not going to turn you off from that. That was a bad excuse on her part. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's some kind of uh, topical. Like, could you rinse your mouth out with like a coating? Is You mean antibacterial or something? Like a, like a sealant? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think. And you think like, well, I, guess, I, I don't know. Maze is like his, just his psychological ritual of blowing someone doesn't want to well it was, this definitely isn't his first go-round no but it was like he was such a mild-mannered dude he wasn't like some some junkie like some gross junkie you know street dude who just blows people for 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 oxy he was like yeah. the most like conservative looking like you know moderate like nice he guy didn't seem like a total pushover either he seemed no. like a fairly assertive guy well, he, had bad, he had bad taste in friends, for for sure. Which makes you wonder whose idea it was. <laughs> well, that's true. Billy wasn't in the wasn't interviewed, and Billy was a fucking fucked up manic dude. So it's hard to say. But he, you know, so basically, what he said is, I will, yeah, sure, I'll go give this guy a blowjob to help the festival continue continue on. He took an oath. He signed a contract. <laughs> yes, by any means necessary. You know, let's let, let's not let this thing die. But also, just. Pra- as a practical matter, it makes gay people look really poor when they play into the most ugly cliche of their of their respective demographic. That like, oh, go ask a gay dude to blow a dude so our business deal can go down. And he says, okay, yeah. <laughs> like, he says, okay, I'm gay, whatever, dick. I'll put it in my mouth. Like, yeah, I mean, well, they must have kind of read the tea leaves on this one because I could you imagine asking <laughs> no. anyone to, <laughs> to blow anyone no. for any reason? Well. I could imagine, I couldn't personally imagine, but I can imagine in a business setting, you know, and, and again, this is like a Mad Men era cliche of asking like the, sec- the hot secretary to go blow a potential client, to go have sex with a potential yeah. client to secure a deal. Yeah, then the festival would definitely not happen because she would take all of the money in, in a lawsuit. Yeah, nowadays. But I mean, that's like such an old cliche that they would hire like the hot secretary, then they would, in fact, I think that was an episode of Mad Men, and they would ask the hot secretary to go on a date, a friendly date with the potential client to secure the deal, yeah. knowing that there was going to be some sex involved. But you know, nowadays you would think like that would be such a gross Harvey Weinstein-esque gesture that would either be criminal or you'd be sued for your entire company and you'd never work again. But the guy goes, yeah, I'll blow. Yeah, sure, I'll go, I'll go do it. And now apparently he's getting a, re- he's getting a reality show deal out of this <laughs> where he's going to do his job, which is setting up festivals and concerts and so forth. And follow him around, so I mean, I guess it's not that much different than Kim Kardashian, you know, Kim Kardashian being famous for a sex tape. But what does this say really about the state of Hollywood entertainment and and, and, and corporate media when a guy gets a deal because he was on a, in, a, in a documentary talking about how he's going to blow a dude to get to go make a business deal go down? Literally, that's the only thing we know about him. I mean, it was it was funny, but <laughs> like when you look at it. It's not funny. No, it's really gross. <laughs> it's it's sad and uh, yeah. and depressing. But I don't know. It it almost gets into that old convert that schoolyard conversation of would you suck a guy's dick for a million dollars? 
And, and uh, what school? What schoolyard was this? In? <laughs> <laughs> it's just the, the schoolyard behind Crunch, the Crunch Gym, <laughs> and it's not a million dollars. It's just like for a co- for a can of Pepsi. Well, I, you know, there's probably guys that are like, uh, you know, yeah, like, that's like, an old. Yeah, you're talking about the old like homophobic discussion of like, you know, what would you do? Would you suck a guy's dick for whatever? Yeah, like like straight guys doing that. You mean? Yeah, because if I was like a trillionaire, I would like hold game shows, like panels like that, and then be like, okay, we have a guy with a dick. Yes. Uh, you know, let's videotape it. Like, I, I think if I went down the like Saddam Hussein road, that's the type of shit I would start doing. But that's, that's just the glorified version of bum fights, though, right? We're yes. just paying bums to do stupid, crazy shit for your entertainment. Yeah, a little, a little more harmless than bum fights, though. But well, minus the minus the age, yes. <laughs> it's just like, although they never explained, by the way, if the Bahamian customs guy would have gone for the deal. Like, why would they assume? I think they alluded. He alluded that the guy was gay. Oh, really? Like he said something like he likes boys, which <laughs> just yeah, could like, not sound any more creepy. No, but like, why would they assume that the guy would do it for a blowjob from an old dude? Like, like that was really the big barrier. Like, like couldn't a hundred bucks? Couldn't a hundred bucks work? Like, how high was his price that he was going to release the whole deal for a blowjob from an old dude? Right, from an old dude. Like, old guy. Yeah, you're in the Bahamas. Yes. Yeah, you could get a blowjob for thirty bucks. Probably from a young, handsome guy. <laughs> so it's like that. W- that was like the multi-million dollar uh, <laughs> wedge in the whole deal was a blowjob from Andy. Well, look, Andy, Andy, I don't think Andy's a competent guy, right? He he has some experience. He seemed to be yes. one of the more reasonable people featured uh, associated with the fire festival. He, he portrayed himself that way, at least. I don't think th- that he. You had to ask him twice. You know, like you think I, so? I think there's certain guys that are <clears throat> that are gay guys. Like you know, I used to suck dick for coke, and it's like, oh, did you really have a coke problem? <laughs> did you do coke once right. a week? Right. right. <laughs> like, how much coke were you doing? Like, did you maybe just kind of want to suck a guy's dick? Like, that's kind of the impression I got. I think they knew he wasn't gonna. It look, you do not approach someone, no matter how fucked up the whole thing is. Without knowing and propose that He's unless say yes. you have a pretty, it, it's like asking a girl out on a date. I don't ask a girl out unless I am ninety nine percent sure she's going to say yes because I, I can't take it's too awkward. Uh, if there's a possibility that he would have said, "Let me, why don't you sit down? What do I look like to you? <laughs> do you know how offensive that is? Do you know how far the, the gay men have come in this country? And for you to propose such a drastic, right, horrific." filthy act uh, you know there'd be fists there'd be a fist thrown if if uh you just didn't if you weren't judicious about who you're asking to blow them. he was exploiting the, the the models too i mean he was exploiting the young ladies too he was an equal opportunity exploiter it seems but my favorite part about the whole documentary is the fact that before i saw the documentary uh a job rule was talking about how he didn't know what was going on he was just a small part of it like he was unaware of all the things that were going on then you see the documentary and realize that he was there every single day drinking beer and like sleeping with the sleeping with the models. Yeah. He was on site like every single day. Like he was a big he probably wasn't running the finance part of it, which was a real crime, but he knew. He I mean, this how dumb could you be not to know this guy Billy is a fucking grifter and that shit was not going down. Well, he was just there to enjoy himself, try to make some cash and then ditch when the whole thing went the whole thing went bad. Yeah, and he he's a I don't know if he's part of the class action suit, so I assume he is, but he went he got away with a lot of it, right? Uh, the money? I mean, he didn't face any. Oh yeah, no, no. But they had a good, they had a good time for about a year and a half there in the Bahamas. I mean, we were flying down the Bahamas with models and stuff, and just I, I'd fucking jet skis, having sex on the yacht, 
and just fucking drinking and playing music. I'd like to think Ja Rule didn't have sex. It goes against my better judgment. It's yeah. just some people some people believe in God. I'd like to think that Ja Rule didn't have sex with any of those models. Uh, maybe with Andy King. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I know uh, you are uh, lived in the state of Washington, and you uh, frequented a bar once or twice during your time there. Did you ever see a dwarf dwarf tossing as a sport at the bar? No, no, I did not. It's apparently a thing. I don't under. I've never actually been to a bar where they. Uh, I don't really go to bars where they do stupid activities, like side games and so forth. I mean, trivia is fine, or darts is fine, but where they have like a ring, like Jello wrestling, or yeah, some sort I, of. I haven't. I haven't. I don't even. I don't know even where to find those kind of places. Yes. I mean, I know they exist, but I mean, I've been to like Big Wang's, which is called Big Wang's, and they have beer pong, and it's yeah, it's a pretty low rent crowd, but no, not, nothing with a ring or, or no. like a, a setup, like none of that sumo wrestling, the blow up sumo shit, or no, nah, I don't, I don't. Like, I've only seen it in movies. I think so too. Um, but apparently, in Washington, the state of Washington, they're now uh, outlawing a dwarf tossing as a sport in bars. So I think the gist of the sport is that these dwarfs, now, uh, now they're volunteer dwarfs. They sign up to get paid. They're paid professional dwarfs. Uh, get put on Velcro suits. And then people, presumably guys, I would assume, pick them up and toss them against the wall. Right. And I guess whoever throws them higher or farther wins. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sport with a rich history, by the way. It dates back like a couple hundred years to England. Uh, when I assume it was much less voluntary and then just the dwarfs got picked up by drunk guys and thrown thrown across the bar and everyone cheered and screamed. And Do they wear padded suits? They wear padded suits and helmets and they're covered in Velcro and they're thrown against this padded Velcro wall. So, I mean, it's, 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 they're not, they're being, I'm probably sure it doesn't feel great, but they're not being badly it's injured. It's not the NFL. No, it's not the NFL and they're all, they're, they do this, the, the, the dwarves who do it, the little people, the dwarves, do it as a uh, to make to make extra money on the weekends. So they just I mean you know they can't throw they're too small they can't throw big people they're small people so they get thrown. And even the dwarfs are smaller. You it, you can't throw a dwarf like a hundred feet. No no they gotta weigh like a hundred pounds or so right. Yeah they weigh around a hundred pounds so you know ten twelve feet like I would think at most. I mean I picked up a hundred pound weight and try to throw it. I mean it's like I wouldn't know. be able to throw it more than. Six seven feet at most. At yeah, the most. I think you throw it against the wall. I imagine mostly it's a lot of fails, huge fails. Yeah, but everyone's drunk and they think it's funny. And the dwarfs probably fucking find it incredibly humiliating, but they get paid. It does seem like a high risk of injury, though. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> so the, the dwarf associate various dwarf associations. Apparently, there's a lot of dwarf associations. Yeah. Uh, they come. I imagine they all have about three members, but they all testified in the state of Washington about how obviously, obviously it's humiliating. Obviously, it's disgraceful. And obviously, it's, it carries on this gruesome cliche that dwarves are toys and, and inanimate objects to, to play around with when you get drunk, which I could see people being drunk and thinking it's really, really funny to do. <laughs> That's why some guy 200 years ago in England decided to pick up the first dwarf and throw him. And everyone went, yeah, all right, you know, Thomas, you're next, you know. But, uh, but they, it is a voluntary occupation. So the dwarves are saying, like, we have legitimate, it's not a sport. So the dwarf throwing people were trying to pretend it was a sport which is not true of anything you do in a bar. <laughs> there's just no, there's no legitimate sport you do in a bar. That's just that's not, that's not acceptable as an excuse. Uh, 
Yeah, the target is just a prop. It's not like anyone's scoring this. No, no. But even darts or billiards, they're not sports. They're just bar They're bar games. Shuffleboard, whatever. They're beer pong. They're not sports. I don't care if ESPN Ocho carries them. They're, they're not legitimate sports. If you're drinking while you're playing, it's just not a legitimate sport, including golf, by the way. Including golf, by the way. Yeah. Um, but they claim there's these, these real leagues where the dwarves, little people who are diminutive in size, can play sports, uh, football, other games against each other in leagues where they're all equal size, so it's fair, and it's refereed and all that stuff. But then some of the dwarves they interviewed said, like, we used to play the sports leagues, but we got beat up a lot more than we do, and a lot more than we do being tossed in the bars. And by the way, the bars, we get, we get paid for this shit. But isn't this really a question? This is an email from Simone. Isn't this really a question of, sort of like live and let live. And if people want to do occupations, say porn star, prostitute, uh, high-risk stunt guy in Hollywood, they're always getting killed. These crazy occupations where it's either hazardous to your health or it's, it's demeaning. Don't people have a right to do, uh, to do that if they want to, as long as no one's being you know, criminally injured? Yeah, it seems like, I mean, I don't think the dwarves are lobbying against it, so it does seem like a basic... You know, should be a choice if you want to participate in it or not. I would think not that many people would want to participate in it, but <laughs> no, I'm usually disappointed. With but you're not that. a dwarf. You're not a dwarf. I mean, you know, <laughs> if you want to make extra money on on the weekend, say you're a dwarf in college. You know, I don't know. We've all done horrible, demeaning jobs for money, for for to pay the rent or for co through college or whatever else. I mean, girls girls strip and they get like uh, movie deals out of it. They become like big celeb, cause celebs in Hollywood when they had to work their way stripping through college. I don't see a problem with it. The only thing I can think of is it's like an OSHA occupational <laughs> safety hazard. Yes, because if you're if you're getting picked up by drunk men, large drunk men. Yes, I mean you can get dropped on your head. You're getting thrown across the room for God's sake. I mean you could you could injure yourself. And dwarves have a lot of issues with their. Uh, bones and stuff already. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. The um, oh, I mean, I, I guess when you say it that way, it makes sense. They have hip dysplasia and um, like golden retrievers. They a lot of them get uh, <laughs> yes. get um, arthritis, uh, rheumatoid, all that shit. So they have big conventions where they go and they all fuck each other. Really? Yeah, they Damn. go to uh, these, and and it's kind of under the guise of, you know, this is the newest biotechnology, medical technology to help with our arthritis and our hips and and you know our ankles and whatnot but it's really just a, a crazy singles fuck fest really for the dwarves why do, but dwarves why little do, people why do it? little people have more sex than tall people there's no big well i guess there are well it's just when you get them all together it'd be like if you know if there were only uh two thousand white people in this country oh i see and you all got there's an instinct instinct in, to, in to the breed. same hotel and like a breeding instinct yeah sort of uh, it's sort of like a high, like a high school field trip, yeah. I guess I, I guess that makes sense. But it's you know at the end of the day, like isn't it OSHA? Is it really OSHA approved to be like triple ass penetrated as a porn star, which is completely legal in this town? There's a lot of people at the at the Whole Foods shopping now that have that as their, occup as their occupation. Yeah, but I think well, I'm just kind of spitballing. But if you're at a bar, which is a you know a place of business, highly regulated on all levels in terms of what you can serve and when and how much and all that where, where you can uh you know taxes and all that i'm i'm just guessing at i mean if you're in a government building you wouldn't expect to see dwarf throwing <laughs> no. in the lobby right maybe, maybe during the uh shutdown the government shutdown they were doing some shit like that i got no problem i mean washington is 
can can become a little bit nanny state. You know, it's a progressive state, but um, sometimes they do shit that's a little bit misguided and symbolic. You know, and um, it seems it seems largely symbolic. I mean, there probably what there's three bars in the whole state that probably still do it. Yeah, uh, and it seemed to be in the Spokane area, so. Which doesn't 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 surprise me at all. No. So I, I whatever happens, sort of in that part of Washington, I just sort of uh, uh, murder, sex calls, <laughs> like a uh, bit bad redneck behavior. I just let I would let go on. <laughs> yeah, they store all the nuclear waste there. Yes, underground. It, it goes, probably gets into the water. It, probably, it goes through Nevada and it goes up to Eastern Washington <laughs> at some point. And then when they when they after they deliver the nuclear waste, they want to throw some dwarfs around. I don't see a problem there. <laughs> Now I want to ask you about uh, transgender, this weird media obsession with transgender. So I still think it's the numbers rise. We've talked about stories over time about like schools, like bringing in counselors to talk about, you know, gender dysphoria or changing genders as if it was like a school ski trip or something like that. (laughs) Some cool new thing that was happening, an opportunity for kids. Like if you're feeling shitty or don't feel at home in your body or feel weird or depressed, it it could very well be because you have you're in the wrong gender, which seems like a really poor thing to preach to teenagers who are largely, unless they're playing sports or getting laid, are largely fucked up individuals. Yeah. Um, so these schools, we talked about this one school in England where like 78 of the kids out of like 300 identified as gender dysphoric, which just blows all known stats away by 50-fold. Uh, Dude, when I was in the seventh grade, if you'd have walked in and been like, do you want to get a face tattoo? I'd be like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yes, like, of course. Absolutely. Of course. Anything. Well, you feel, so you feel, look, I think it, like it, as a 15 year old, you feel shitty most of the time, uh, unless you're, unless you're scoring, unless you're like an, an athletic achievement or you have a girlfriend or boyfriend, I guess, or some sort of social recognition, uh, you're either, uh, drinking, fighting, uh, doing stupid, doing stupid, da- unnecessarily dangerous shit. Uh, or nowadays, if you feel depressed or anxious, you're like wondering about your ge- if you're in the wrong gender body. Uh, you're looking for a solution to stop like all the shitty feelings you have. Yeah. And it's just so common for teenagers to be depressed or to be angry or to be violent or to be even suicidal. Things like that are very common to that experience. And now they're kind of telling people, well, even though it's a very small percentage of people who may be gender dysphoric, that yeah, this could be it. This could definitely be it. You could just be a man who should be a woman, a boy should be a girl, or girls should be a boy. And now what's happening is, and it used to be, obviously, if you actually did that, you would be socially uh, stigmatized. You'd be ostracized for being, I don't know if you had any dudes who wore dresses to your school, but probably not. Uh, no, I didn't. No, and even, even uh, me in the San Francisco area, there was just no guys wearing dresses. There was one creepy guy who was like in his 40s who came to the football games dressed in a cheerleader outfit. Hmm. And he sat up at the very top of the bleachers by himself. I just remember that for four years. And all that was told to me as a freshman was just don't talk to him. <laughs> it was just like, it was just, he, was, he put rouge on his face and he put on a cheerleader costume uh, from a different school, which I always thought was really poor, poor sportsmanship. <laughs> and uh, he had a, like a grizzled face, like a beardish face and so forth. But full cheerleader costume and sat up the corner and just he's been there for like 15 years doing this at every game and just yeah just don't talk just don't talk to we him. had a lady that ran for mayor um let's see this was a carl oh yeah so this it's got to be 90 percent of trans people are male to female right 
Uh, it's actually not. It's just those are the ones you recognize because the ones. Well, those are the loudest ones. Yeah, those are the ones you notice the most because of the the butchy ladies when they become just as men, you don't notice it. So right, much. it's kind of a lateral move. But but a, a dude with big hands like a, a Kate, Bruce Jenner becoming a woman is very noticeable. Yeah, so we had this. Cra- it was a crazy person, like legitimately a crazy person. Never saw him, her before or again. But she ran for mayor of of our town when I was in high school, and she went door to door. And it was like a scandal around town that this was a man that turned into a woman. And <laughs> yes. she had kind of the man voice and was just a man with long hair that, and tits. And uh, it didn't help that she was insane. I mean, she just <laughs> would show up to your door ranting about shit in a place where no one gives a fuck right. or could name the mayor for that matter. So here's the thing. So there's, this, there's a story in uh, Good Morning America that ran with ABC, uh, Yahoo, big story about this girl, 20-year-old girl in Kentucky, of all places. So kudos to her, I guess, for being a transgender in, in Kentucky. But she decided that she was going to become a man, a boy, from, go from a girl to a boy. And the mom decided to make us into a big, big deal of pretending that she was being reborn, essentially, as a boy, that she was going from having a daughter to having a son. So she had like a gender reveal party, which is those obnoxious parties where pregnant Women reveal, pregnant couples reveal the gender of their baby and pull the different color balloons or do the different explosions of different colors. So my first thought was, this mom is loony enough that she may have driven her kid to uh, (laughs) become gender dysphoric. She might be that crazy. But I, I, I want, so the mom had a whole party. They did a photo shoot of the girl becoming a boy. They had him come out of like, as if he was being born again, come out of a baby blanket, Very pop weird. out of a box. The mom pretended she was pregnant and is like yeah. putting up things. I'm having a son. She was smoking a cigar in one, a fake cigar in one photo. I didn't really understand that, but I'm just assuming that means a dad. There's no dad around to be, there's no dad around whatsoever. To oh, I, I just <laughs> took that for granted. Yes. I don't see a dad really, unless he was just getting obliterated <laughs> At the local Applebee's, right, and, and just you know hating his life. I didn't. So I mean, so it was. I feel bad. I mean, I feel like the mom shouldn't take too much shit because you know your mom is just unconditionally love your kids, I guess. And same with your kids doing something that maybe you think is fucked up. You're supporting your daughter becoming a boy. You're trying to make it feel as loving as possible. Uh, but at the same time, isn't this just part of that rambling, growing uh, set of like? Not only acceptance of transgender, but like a celebration of like this is the best thing ever because you and I were talking before the show. One thing you never see in these stories about these transgender changing genders of these teens, usually it's teens, is any other accomplishment of any other kind in their lives. Yeah. Other than the fact that they are changing, they're choosing a new gender. They seem to be focused on this one thing, uh, which takes a lot of time. You know, it's very time consuming. It's almost like a job. Um, with all the treatments and yes. surgeries and shopping for new wardrobe, it's your whole, it becomes your whole world. Doing interviews for various you know MTV shows and yes. whatnot, um, but yeah, they they usually don't seem to have a lot else going on, no. which makes you wonder if this is just kind of the thing that they chose to do, as opposed to being in a band or. Um, it would seem to me like if you were legitimately like we talk about, just talking about high school earlier, if you were a legitimate athlete or successful student. Or you were going to college full time, or you had a job full time, and you were like an entrepreneur, or you were even involved in the community really well, running shelters or doing things, you know, for for medical charities or doctors abroad or something like that. That even if you had this sort of inkling of a feeling, 
it would probably be a much smaller part of your life. And you'd probably just either ignore it, put it aside. It would not be overwhelming your whole life. Yeah, I would think if you were killing it in the world and like, let's just say I kind of wanted to be a woman, you know, I, I, I think I, well, I'll take myself out of it, but I would picture a person just being like, all right, I'm going to fuck this hot chick. I'm going to wear a wig, call me Nancy, Yes, and I'll go to work tomorrow. Right. You know? That'd be enough for me. Yeah. Like, I don't need to, like, have a, 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 gender, a new gender party, uh, have potentially surgery, hormones, tell all my friends I was no longer Nancy, but now I was Bob. The whole, I mean, it's a whole, I mean, it's a whole life-changing thing, not just to mention the fucking hormones will fuck you up really badly. Yeah. So it's a huge decision, even beyond the other stuff. But it seems to me like we're creating this culture now where, like, you shouldn't, you don't want, on one end of the spectrum is like, okay, kill the trannies, get the two, get Mark Wahlberg and the two by fours and <laughs> start beating the trannies. That's like, we don't want that. But the other end is like this pure incentivized exceptionalism. You're not an exceptional person because you, you're changing genders, which, by the way, there's no medical or biological science behind. But, you know, it's, Fucking live and let live society. You want to be a man, you want to be a woman, fine. I think most people feel that way. But now we're turning into like an achievement. Like this is now your achievement. Your achievement is we're having a photo shoot. You're going to be on Good Morning America. Uh, we're going to have all these loving photos. Your parents suddenly, your mom lo- loves you. Your siblings love you. The community is supporting you because of this. This is your now your life, your young life achievement. Yeah. Well, my friend who works in, in New York in the entertainment industry, someone in his office was was circulating a a flyer soliciting donations to have a sex change operation. Really? And it was like, you know, I need this surgery. That's pretty much all. I read the letter. That's it's, where I draw the line. I'm up paying. I'm up paying. Well, it's like, bro, I'm sure there's someone there that needs new teeth or something. Right. right. But you're not asking your coworkers to pay for it. And also, I mean, people go with, with yeah, like teeth or people go without a lot of medic basic medical care uh, in this country. Um, I mean, not a lot. It's not like 90% of people, but there are a lot of people that like, have to skip medical services, diabetics who can't get insulin. But there's no, there's no like, you know, there's like this, this medical procedure, this thing is seen as like the highest of the high achievement you can achieve. Yeah. But there's got to be better, like you said. I wonder like how much is put on now by people around you supporting you, which is great, but that also convinces you now this will be the next three years of my life. Yeah. Well, I've always thought it was very shallow and an almost elitist thing in that so you're telling me to achieve self-actualization you need like a hundred thousand (laughs) dollars right because that seems to be the opposite of like every lesson taught in any religion any lesson i've ever learned any any lesson anyone really respects so you're telling me that if you're a poor person born in the philippines that you can't be yourself you can't end up being yourself because you can't have a, a bunch of alterations done. Unless you find a wealthy uh, white uh, benefactor who <laughs> wants you as their prostitute to change sex in some bad movie uh, starring like Benicio Del Toro. I don't buy it at all. I, it, it, se- it, seems like, it seems at the base of it, it seems like a very self-indulgent thing. So like if someone had cancer, you wouldn't call them self-indulgent for getting chemo. But mm-hmm. it seems like it's, yes, okay, it seems like the kind of thing where like you feel uncomfortable or you're unhappy. But this is now the way you're choosing to make yourself happy is extremely egocentric yeah. and self-serving. And God bless you if you're rich or whatever and you want to spend money on whatever the fuck you want to buy a Maserati, you want a sex change, whatever. But like you're asking everybody in your circle to then be hugely supportive of your decision to do something just for yourself. 
Well, what if you said, and it's not exactly the same thing, but you take the gender reassignment out of it. But you're like, you know, I, I feel really uh, dysphoric in general about my life. I don't know who I am. I, I feel like I've kind of um, not been born into the correct situation. Um, so I need a new wardrobe. Yes. And uh, I'm going to I need some new jewelry. I'm going to get my eyebrows done. I need a weave. And uh, it'd be like, you're an asshole. <laughs> right. Like, you're just a shallow loser. Yeah. I don't I don't think if someone said I'm now a girl and I, you know, I'm at the office, whatever, and I, I want to be called Francis, I'd be like, OK, that's fine. Whatever. But the whole rigmarole of like the, the, the whole like this is like your big defining moment and we're all to rally around you. It's one thing to support you through a, a tough situation that was put on you. But this whole thing, it seems like there's very little science behind it. A lot of this is very psychological. And now you have like people, again, like we talk about, without much other sort of tangible accomplishment, this becomes their big thing. And I think they're driving towards this as like their way to be accepted, their way to feel exceptional. Everybody wants to feel exceptional at something. Yeah, everybody wants to be applauded for something. And this feels kind of like their way of getting that. And the mom wearing the baby bump. <laughs> like, I think so. I've thought the much. same thing for a while. And I'm, yeah, I'm glad that you sort of voiced that opinion because, yeah, I think we're in agreement on I that. I mean, the, the number of people who are, if this gender dysphoria thing is real and the number of people who are like going to kill themselves, uh, or, you know, literally are going to injure themselves if not treated for it, has to be really small, really tiny, and well, well small of like all these stories of like, women starting to wear baseball, you know, uh, Ed Hardy baseball caps and, <laughs> and having gender reveal and their mom smoking cigars wearing baby bumps. These, these stories almost delegitimize the actual probably small number of real cases of people who may literally be so, even if it's just psychological, so incredibly fucked up because of this feeling they have that maybe the surgery or their hormones makes them feel, survive, makes them survive somehow. Maybe, but you got to wonder in terms of the social media aspect, um, you're in Kentucky, yes. so now you know everyone knows this about you. And, and I, I wonder what percentage of the comments are positive, and what percentage are like, "Are you serious? You're a 50 year old woman dressing your 20 year old <laughs> yes. up as a baby. This is creepy and weird." And they're mostly negative, <laughs> but that, and all internet comments are negative, right? So I mean, if it was, you know, again, it's because this this transgender thing is like. It's just well, all the comments on Jesse Smollett were negative too, like from the sort of the beginning. That's just sort of the nature of commenters online. Yeah, but I think she got you know you get the Good Morning America spread, you get all the stuff. Your, your pictures are all over the front page on the front page of Yahoo. Your little part gender reveal party. There's all these lovable family photos. The girl becoming a boy, of course, has very broad shoulders and, and uh, uh, a large belly. <laughs> That's always always just always the case. You just don't see hot girls transitioning to men very often. You don't yes. see sort of, yes. now that I think about it, <laughs> do you see people that look kind of um, ambiguously gendered, such as this boy that became, or girl, that, whatever it is? Yeah. Um, the, the transition is kind of not very dramatic. At no, that no. That's why I think you don't notice the women who become men because they're largely very butch, yeah. extremely living as butch women. Right. But with the men, and the men I think are generally like, like gender, like effeminate looking men, sort of. They sort of seem like they're sort of effeminate looking. Yeah. You don't you don't often see like the gruff, unkempt guy become a woman. Well, Sorry. in terms of in terms of like we were saying, how part of this might just be an attention ploy on some level, or or a deep need for attention and acceptance. When's the last time you saw just a super cute, 
you know, a girl that looks great in jeans, yes. nice little butt, you know, nice boobs, nice blonde girl next door. When's the last time she wanted to become a dude? Yeah, never, no. never, no, never. It's never happened. No, never happened. And I don't think the guy, the masculine dude, I mean, sometimes the masculine guy who is gay, he's overcompensated by having a lot of girlfriends, like the overly alpha male, overly alpha male with all the girlfriends is gay. Hmm. But I don't think he wants to become a woman. He just is a gay, he just happens to be born gay. I mean, Bruce Jenner's sort of the, you know, the well, foil to all this. Yeah, well, he was always like, well, he started taking hormones early on, but he was kind of a pretty boy. He was, uh, I mean, we learned, you know, later on at age nine, he was going to his mom's closet putting dresses on. <laughs> Matt, I want to ask you about uh, uh, the double standard, another gender double standard today. So Amal Clooney who is uh, George Clooney's wife. I'm surprised it's lasted this long, I have to say. I think it's been three years now. <laughs> but I guess he's just done. I guess he's just done, you know, fucking uh, he's, he's alley cat. How old is he? He's, he's got to be like 50, 56, 57. He's going on 60. Yeah, but he could still get, obviously he could still get a lot of play. He was still getting play before he got married. I assume he's just finally... At a certain point, you're probably just fucked out. Yeah, I guess so. Although the whole married thing with the kids and stuff has to be tiring. Um but it's Omal Clooney, his wife, and uh, she's some uh, United Nations attorney or some shit like that. Uh, she's, of course, friends. All their friends are A-list stars. So they're friends with Jennifer Aniston. And there's this big story. It was People Mag- one of these ladies' magazines where everything women do is just super positive and empowering. Uh, claim that uh, Jennifer Aniston hasn't had sex in two years. She got divorced like a year, year and a half ago from uh, Justin Theroux. I-, I love how the magazines will run like best couple ever stories. You know, for four, three years, or however long those celebrity marriages last, and then immediately jump on what went wrong, the divorce, no one saw coming. Like they just they'll capitalize on any angle of the story. I had no idea, not that I pay attention, but I feel like I was just seeing the just married uh, magazine covers like a year ago. Feels but. like it. So apparently, the marriage didn't go well because uh, 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 egotistical, narcissistic people, it turns out, don't make good couples. <laughs> she really can't keep a guy around. She must be a real problem to deal with. She uh she used to do these stories after like uh, Brad Pitt left her and they tried to like pretend that she was still like a, a desirable lady. Uh that she was like there's always these stories about I'm 40 and happy to be alone. You know, I have friend great friends and we have coffee and all this other stuff and and uh the lawyer story like a little vibrator joke in there or something like that. I don't need a man. Mm. But then inevitably within a year of that story they get married again to some other guy. Uh, but no, she she has not had great success. But again, I think that these people are just horribly insufferable people. And I think you can exist in a marriage with one horribly insufferable p- person. I think when you have two people that are sort of completely narcissistic actors or celebrities, it's just impossible for them to occupy the same space. So That's I, why I don't date actresses no. or musicians. I mean, if you could stand to be with somebody who was completely into themselves, it probably could work in some way if there was like this sort of weird dom sub you know relationship where like you idolize the one person or if one person's broke and the other one has money maybe. yeah or just you were a fanboy of jennifer aniston and you just like the fact that it, it, the marriage was about her and everything was about her i guess if that was your personality type you could get along with her but if you're also a good-looking actor guy and you know you're getting a lot of attention and you want your own you know you, you fight for attention with your wife all the time that's not going to work that's not going to work well out. i've always had a theory and this has been proven true due to my vast experience dating women. Yes. Um, the strong jawline on a woman, mm-hmm. such as Jennifer Aniston, 
That means that she has a lot of testosterone. Oh, for, interesting. For a woman. Yes. I mean, a, a healthy, normal woman, but on the higher side of the testosterone uh, level. And, uh, you know, that leads to hostile behavior. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, look at her jaw. I don't know. There it's has not a, especially. I have to check the research. I have to check the research. I thought she's she was always, of course, voted the most beautiful woman in Hollywood every year by uh, Us Magazine and so forth. I'm not saying she's unattractive at all. She's she's you know she's an attractive woman, but she has a prominent jaw, and you can correlate aggressive behavior to that. That's interesting. Yeah. Now I have to check your. I'm going to check your numbers on that. Okay. We'll go back and check dig through the da- dig through the data. I, I, I've already checked my numbers. <laughs> it may it may it may be tr- it may be true. Um, but so she has been uh, upshot. She has been late in two years, Matt. Uh, Jennifer Aniston. This came out as a big story because the last year of her marriage and then the year since she hasn't dated because she's been too heartbroken. So Amal Clooney, who's her friend, because all a list of chicks have to be friends, uh, is came out with a story. She's going to get Jennifer laid. She's going to get her some action. I think they said it. Romantic action. I don't know what the hell they put it. They didn't put laid because women don't talk like that. <laughs> they say dick. She didn't say I was going to get her get her some dick. <laughs> get her some dick. <laughs> yeah, get her some dick. The but big, she hairy dick. Yeah, but she said going to get her back in, in, into uh, some intimate moments or romantic, whatever the hell they put it. And then I was thinking, okay. And then the magazine was saying, how what a wonderful like female empowerment moment this was. That you know Jennifer, you know she's sexually actual actualized and. Women are looking out for the other women that they need sex as much as men. There's, the friends are going to find her sex. And I thought, there's just no way a story like this could run between guys, male people, famous people. We're like, oh, uh, you know, Brad Pitt's been, since his divorce management is really down, he hasn't been late in two years, which is, doesn't seem believable, but say it, say it was. He, there was that point when he lost a lot of weight after the divorce. It was really kind of weird. Uh, he seemed like a chick a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but see, uh, you know, George Clooney says, my boy Brad hasn't had sex in two years. I'm going to go get him some pussy. We got to get him back on that fucking pussy wagon <laughs> ASAP. So I'm going to find him some ladies to get laid. There's just no way either a Cody could say that out loud or anyone, or there would be like some very like loving, supportive article about how what a great friend he was for finding his buddy, for finding his buddy pussy after two years. No, it'd be totally ridiculous. I mean, it's a fun movie premise. Yes. We all, I, I enjoy those kind of movies a lot but uh it doesn't happen in real life and um between men it doesn't happen i don't think it happens between what i mean maybe maybe well, women set each other women set other women up on dates yeah but it's jennifer aniston i mean she can essentially bang whoever she wants yeah you'd think so i i think those celebrities get to that weird level when they can't because they're so famous like they just like whoever they have sex with is going to go fucking tell tmz right away it's some weird. Yeah. They need like at least a relatively famous person to have sex with. Well, maybe her reputation amongst you know the Hollywood uh, leading men is has been a bit surly. <laughs> this is high, as high maintenance. But you got guys. Well, first of all, guys don't set really set other guys up on dates. That's not a thing. I don't know. I've been out of the dating pool for a while, but I don't remember like guys going like, "Yo, I got this girl. You got to date her." Like. <laughs> You really should date her. I'm going to set you up. Here's her. Here, here. I have said, like, if I have a girlfriend, like, you should you should talk to her friend at this party or something. But yes. I am not going to, like, coordinate this. I, I'm, <laughs> no. I'm just going to put it out there. You know, if you want to hit her up on Instagram, might be a good idea. That's as far as I go. You're not going to like she likes kite sailing. She seems to love <laughs> books. She loves she loves hiking. You should you guys should really get together. No, no, women. No, wh- I don't know. I don't, especially because even with my best male friends, I don't know what chick he's going to be into. Nor do I especially want to. You know, uh, 
I don't want to really think about him fucking the chick. Right. I just don't. It, to me, it's just like handle. It's like taxes. <laughs> like just handle it yourself. Yes, I agree. But so, but as a as a gender sexist thing, the guys can't. It seems like this is among the new things that women empowered women can do, which is uh, talk about uh, you know how they're, they're going to get each other laid, basically, and talk about their sex lives very openly and like how it, it, what it, what independent uh, uh, sort of modern woman you are when you talk about sex openly. But if guys do that, they're just fucking hard. They become Harvey Weinstein like instantly. Yeah, with the women, uh, there's this fantasy. That and and who knows if Amal Clooney actually did this, but it's the obnoxious. It's it's the moment when your wife is entertaining and you make an excuse to leave the house because they're <laughs> getting sloppy drunk, and you know they start getting bawdy and and laughing at shit that's not even really funny or especially racy. Right. But they're they're just entertained. They're they're just in this moment, you know, and. uh it's it's a female fantasy. It's sex in the city is what it is. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, it, it, uh, my my uh, one of my kids the other day asked me if there was. It was surprised here there was male strippers, and because uh, 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 she said she didn't know male strippers exist. It was just female strippers. That's all she's seen in movies and so forth. I said, no, there's a lot of male strippers, and I said, and and uh, she said, who goes to see them? I said, well, you know, sometimes it's gay men, but usually it's women at bachelor parties. And she said, women do that. I said, no, women go crazy. <laughs> women go in, insane. Whatever you see guys doing <laughs> at strip clubs, women go twice, get, get, uh, have a couple Cosmos and go twice as crazy. Because <laughs> they're allowed to grab. They're allowed to do whatever they want. They can be like slap ass. They can do all the things that if you did at a men's strip club, not only would you be punched in the face by the bouncer, <laughs> but your buddies would look at you like, what the fuck are you, what are you doing, Joe? You can't fucking, you know, start grabbing. It, yeah, it, it gets very primal. Like they, they immediately get blackout drunk. Yes. And and then just yeah, they become insane like like they're you're like is this the same woman I was just you know had dinner with an hour ago like uh it's like the, the it's like thing. it's like the back room of the accused like with Jodie Foster but with <laughs> women they're like egging each other on to like do like oh grab his dick you know touch his dick or whatever yeah, like, it's really? like a tribal ritual that you see on the discovery channel <laughs> yes. but they don't want to fuck the guys which is the interesting part no well they're smart enough not to fuck a stripper <laughs> that's pretty 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 disgusting only guy only only men are gross enough to uh, actually have sex with a with a hooker so <laughs> i remember when uh, um uh, drew carey was on the howard stern show like i don't know 10 12 years ago and he was getting he got engaged to a stripper Oh, and Howard, I guess it was. I guess they got married. I don't know if they're still married or not. But Howard, Howard, Howard Stern put it right, very rightly. Like, dude, you have sex with a hooker. You don't marry. You don't marry a hooker. <laughs> like, what are you? What are you doing? Like, you know, that's something you put a, three condoms on and have sex when you need to. But you don't like actually just marry her. You don't marry her. Uh, I don't think Drew Carey took it. I'm took assuming. It too well. Yeah, I'm assuming he didn't. No, I'm also assuming they're still not together. He laughed. I mean, he laughed, but he under. I think he understood the inside guy joke, which is that you know you don't you know it's, the Pretty Woman movie is for women. It's not for dudes. There's no dude who dreams about marrying a hooker. That's just not. That's just that not. movie is definitely for women because she is a hooker. And then she tearfully complains that she's being treated like a whore. Yes, right. I'm like, what the fuck? She's not just a hooker. She's a street hooker, right? She's a filthy hooker. She's like not like a. She's not even like a, she gets uh, hired to be a high end escort to be a, you know to be his, his his girl on the side like for these business meetings and to hang out at the hotel. But legitimately, I think in the movie it starts out she is like with the other girl San Giacomo. I think she's like a street walker. She's on the street. Yeah, she she's gets like picked, strolling the street. She gets picked up by this rich, good looking guy 
who overpays her and yeah. is incredibly polite and, and super handsome, much more polite than I would be with a hooker yes. or even just a regular person. And, and she immediately gets real entitled about it. Right. So yeah, that was a movie for women. Yeah. Clearly, and then she gets, gets to be dressed up and then she becomes his real girlfriend. <laughs> it's just, there's not a single guy. Well, uh, there are like guys like Drew Carey out there, I guess, who are just suckers and marrying like the hooker for some reason. But yeah, you know, guys. Even, it's like a wounded person. Even thing. Drew Carey knew that like ninety nine percent of guys would know, would see through what he was doing and just judge him harshly. Would judge him harshly for it. So I'm calling double standard on Mal Clooney. She seems like a nice lady. Jennifer Aniston seems like she would fucking drive me insane. But you can't, guys. Women are now getting away with shit that guys. The pendulum has swung so far that this is like guys back in the fifties could get away with this, perhaps. Now women are just openly talking about just sexual stuff and men as sex objects. And this movie, What Women, What Men Want, that's coming out tomorrow, mm. is going to be so fucking horrible. <laughs> I just tell you now that every female reviewer is going to give it a positive review, <laughs> just for its social social aspect, just for its social message. It'll get positive reviews. Like, who who are these reviewers? Like first grade teachers, <laughs> like I kindergarten. Like it'll it'll get like a five stars. That was a good effort. Yes. Like, what? what is happening? Well, even the early reviews that came out, because they put an embargo on it by the major reviewers, are like female independent like online reviewers who are all saying how important this movie is for women to see, to see how men really think in the, off- think in the office place. Because like, women in 2019 obviously don't know how men think in the, off- in the office place. <laughs> like, what is it? I'll tell you exactly how they think. <laughs> yes. I want to fuck that reception. I want to I fuck Taraji uh, P.P. Hanson, whatever her name is. In a <laughs> I'm going to figure out the line that's been drawn and get as close to it as I can. Yes, and work my way up work my way up the chain. I don't think that'll be in the movie, by the way, <laughs> a reboot. All right, Matt, our final statement today is Emily Rodjakowski, who somehow every single person knows who she is now. And I think it's just because of her breasts, as far as I as far as I can tell. She's really hot. She's she's hot. She has an amazing body. She was naked in the in the Robin Thicke video now like five years ago, whatever it was. Which she ironically participated in and was then slammed as being this completely, you know, rape culture, misogynistic thing. And uh, you know, she got paid. She got paid and then she transitioned into somehow uh, women are able to pivot. I guess men, some men, celebrities can do this too. But it'd be like almost like Greg Hardy, like the guy who beat up his wife as a football player, transitioning into like a marriage counselor <laughs> or like, you know, advice for guys. I guess there are some, you know, some in the religious sector, there are some people that are huge sinners that turn into to preachers and so forth. But she somehow transitioned into like a feminist, outspoken feminist activist. But does she know that no one cares about what she thinks? Well, I think everyone, she gets huge numbers because she's, when she says what she's thinking, she's like in a, in a, a crop top. And, and a bear pit ripping and right, like a, but does she, a thong. Does she understand? Does she conceptualize this? I don't think so. I don't I know. Don't so like, so she hangs out with Amy Schumer a lot. So she and Amy Schumer do these, like they marched against Kavanaugh. Uh, Emily Rodzikowski was a big on the, Cl- on the Clinton campaign in 2016, giving feminist speeches about women will no longer be kept down, our bodies, ourselves, all sorts of pro-choice and... and, and Double standards. We hate Trump. He's he's raping us. All sorts of feminists. All part of the idiocy of why Hillary lost the election. <laughs> yeah, part of it. Although people did pay attention. I'd rather watch Emily Rodzikowski scream or rant uh, in, in her skin tight outfit than I would Amy Schumer in her prison jumpsuits. <laughs> so, uh, but I think like Amy Schumer, I, it strikes me as someone who's very self-aware of like what she's doing. That she has a celebrity power and she's speaking at these a- activist rallies and. 
that nobody wants is eyeballing her wanting to have sex with her while she's doing so, while she's doing so. Whereas if you're the hot chick, it's sort of unfortunate in the sense that if you're the super hot chick, nobody's going to take you that seriously. Well, a chick that hot cannot know. You you want to sit them down and say, "Look, your jokes have always been horrible. <laughs> yes, they've never once been funny. Yeah. And the reason that guys laughed at your jokes is because they're trying to fuck you, and they'll look at you and smile like." You're so crazy. You're just, you know, yes. where, where do you get off saying these kind of things? And then you, and you want to just repeat the same thing. Like, no, you don't understand. Yes. You're, you don't even have jokes. And, and, and by the way, your views on the, on the war in Yemen aren't really that sophisticated <laughs> as I seem. Uh, but, but yeah, they get, I think they understand the privilege a little bit, obviously, but maybe not. I don't know how dumb or smart she is. Honestly, she may be a smart person. I have no idea. But she's made her reputation and her living off of her body. And I wonder, like, how... So she came out with this this week. So she's always selling this... She attaches this feminist activism to everything she does, which seems to be just be cheesecake photos, topless Instagram stuff. And then she gets to talk about... So at the Kavanaugh protest, she was wearing this revealing tight top without a bra and, uh, like, low-cut jeans or whatever she was wearing. So her whole, you know, front was exposed. And then she gets to talk about... She gets to have the privilege of talking about how, like, why are people talking about me being braless... At the at the Kavanaugh event, that shouldn't be, this should only be about activism and feminism, and this just shows how much work we need to get done in this country. I hate the dishonesty. In that. Yes, right. I do. <laughs> like you didn't, you weren't aware you weren't wearing a bra. Like all the other women around you, there was you were with a group of hundred women, ninety nine of them were wearing bras. You were not wearing a bra, and uh, and you didn't do it as an activist statement. You just forgot. You she claimed she forgot. So like, yeah, I mean, Nelson Mandela could have delivered the the most you know uplifting human rights speech of all time, but if his dick was out at the yes. time. <laughs> that's simply what people would be uh, focusing on. You don't think he'd get away with like mesh half shirts and like a thong and a thong? No, and she's not that naive. I mean, everyone knows the deal, right? Like, just stop pretending. Well, so you and I understand. I think guys understand that. So but she launched this week, her big announcement, she launched her lingerie line, which is just pictures of her in, in panties and a bra and, and, and nighties, basically, and talk about how empowering this is for women to have her own business and her own... Th- of course, they're always these models always are launching only in fashion or lingerie. Like they're starting a construction company, or like you know about a freight a freighter company or something like that as their business. It's always something where they have to go in once a week to approve underwear des- underwear designs. They talk about her like her the inspiration boards. What her inspiration board was like? Who like Audrey Hepburn's on her wall for inspiration board for to invent her new underwear to invent her new underwear. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I know the Hyperloop is taking some planning. Yes. So I don't know what kind of R&D went into this uh, bra and panty <laughs> yes. enterprise. I, there's obviously a lot of progress to be made in the in the field. Yeah, I always love when they have uh, uh, underwear commercials. They pretend there's a new, technolo- new technology. <laughs> it's really, 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 it's going. But here's the thing. So you and I see through it. So guys see through her just being this hot chick who wants to use her, her breasts uh, as a way to make money and stature and stuff like that. But I don't understand how women, and I think they must, the feminist groups that she's part of see through what she's doing, but they're kind of torn because they have to accept her because she's saying all the right things. She's going to all the right marches. She is a woman after all, but they must fucking hate her. They just must fucking hate her. Depends on how hot they are, how much attention they're getting from men. I think um, if you're, if you're, if you're a feminist sister in arms with some lady at the March and the pro rights thing, and you're wearing the vagina hats and you're saying kill Trump and you know, are, pro-choice or we'll, or we'll die and the next day you see her 
like your one friend, the hot friend, launching a lingerie line, <laughs> yeah. and like she's top, and she's like covering her breasts, barely covering her breasts in promotional photos. Yeah, and then having the nerve to get I, I, I'm, we need to find more women that can come on the show. But to me, that's so if, hard. If you're pitching this as, you know, isn't this great that a woman is starting a business? If I was a woman, I would say, well, it's good for one woman, yes. which is you, right? Who's earning the money off? I don't know if you're planning to share it with the 150 million women in the country or or what because it seems like total bullshit is well at <laughs> like least on its at, face at least ashley graham who's heavy can say like i'm doing this in the name of regular sized women i'm going to be a model and i'm not going to lose weight and i'll be 30 pounds overweight and i'm going to all my successes yeah i get all the money myself but all my successes are to show the world that i'm that a heavy set woman can be beautiful but roger jacassi doesn't even have that she's just a a non-eating slender Big fake breast, big fake breast, beautiful girl, uh, who was a video, music video model and top and, and nude model, who now is launching underwear, <laughs> underwear line. So she's like, and, and by the way, all these women's husbands or boyfriends want to have sex with her. So she is just the ultimate threat to these ladies, and she seems to be using using them. But I just wonder, like at the feminist like clutches when they get together, like at the at the behind the coffee house, if they're just saying like, we got to fucking kick her out, we got to get we got to get rid of her, she's got to go. I would imagine so. I mean, I don't. I don't know if her breasts are fake, by the way. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Um, I mean, I always assume they're all. They're well, there's four four hundred thousand breast jobs a year. We learned last week. But she does come off as ditzy, and uh, she has something of a resting cunt face. Yeah, she does. She's got a resting. Yeah, she does. I'm not saying that's her fault. Um, but I just. I mean, women. I just. I don't. I wish we had women to say. I don't. I don't know how women. The feminist, I think you're, you've painted yourself into a corner as a feminist when you say all women are amazing and we support all women no matter what. And anyone who is, they have to be pro-choice, of course, but anyone who's pro-choice and pro-Hillary or now against Kavanaugh, whatever, we all, we're all in like, we're all sisters. We'll fight for each other. But then you got the one sister who's hotter than everybody else who's making the money posting Instagram shots of her ass, of her ass and, and now making millions off her fucking underwear, underwear line. You got to want to kick that chick out of the grub. I, yeah, I don't know how they feel about it. What was I watching? I think it was the Golden Globes and someone wanted to watch it. And so I was watching it. Not not like I tuned in, just wanted to, you know. Um, but I was like, it, it was all, it, they said women, like I wasn't really watching it, but it was just like and, and women, and this is for and women, and and I was yeah. like, if I hear the word women one more time, yes. I'm gonna fucking punch the TV. Yes. Like I understand women do things, and that's good, and that's fine, but like, why is this so forced right now? Well, they had the thing with the, like in Congress uh, during the State of the Union with the women all in white. We talked about, and I'm thinking like, okay, I mean, yeah, I mean, so there's a Spanish woman, a black woman, there's a white woman from Kentucky, there's a, a chunky lady from the whatever from Hawaii. Like that, I bet these women are actually really different. I yeah. bet they're really different people, and they probably don't like each. Most of them don't like each other, and they probably have completely different thoughts and grew up in different backgrounds, and probably would never get along. But now it's all like women stand together as one. Like what? Like why? Like are you being? Are you escaping from a prison? <laughs> like where? What is, is there? Like is this like the the Handmaid's Tale where you all have to band together even though you hate each other to get away from the men who are raping <laughs> raping you each evening? I know. What is this false narrative? They act like women just came out as a they, they act like women are a new movie that's premiering or right. so like did we just get women like I th we've had these women right i always thought Since about like the slave like slavery so the black people slaves obviously you know, want to escape or they were brutalized and oppressed and so they could get away like five or six of them would escape 
And I thought, okay, these guys probably don't like each other. <laughs> like, right? But the overwhelming connection between these freed sla- you know, escaped slaves or freed slaves is so strong. It's almost like when you go to a football game and you're rooting for the same team. You'll be like hug guys that you normally would hate because you're just so, you have this common purpose. And obviously, if your life is in danger, you've been beaten by these white plantation owners, if you hate the guys around you, you're probably like buddies, right? Yeah. But this is not the same as just being a woman, being a woman in America in 2019. You're not that, you're not a brutalized group where you have to cling to each other for common, pur- for common purpose. No, it's completely implausible. Like, if I, if I'm in an airport and I see, like maybe I'll see a comedian that I don't uh, know very well. I'm I'm an acquaintance, but I'll nod at him. I'm shake his hand, talk for a second. If I see someone that is wearing like a shirt that says Alaska, and I can tell that person's from <laughs> yes. Alaska, I will say hey, and maybe talk to him for a second. But we'll nod in an, in an understanding. That doesn't work when it's half the fucking people. No, fifty-one percent. Like, you, like in a, you may say in Alaska, you don't do that. No, <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, you from? Yeah, we're actually in Alaska, dude. We're mostly from Alaska. Yeah, it's very, very good, good point. Yeah, I mean, what this solidarity thing is ludicrous. It you, doesn't make any. It does. Oh, by the way, when you meet people not in Alaska but in, from Alaska, do you have to show each other your your driver's licenses? No, you just ask a few questions to make sure they're not posing, but. There's very few people that pose as being from Alaska. The first thing I realized when I moved to California was that people, uh, anywhere actually, people from Florida, for some reason, I'm not sure why from Florida, but if they're from Florida, another state around, the, and they, they will show each other their driver's license, like as like this weird sort of like membership, like, oh, wait, you're from, you're from Naples? Yeah, I, went, I lived in Orlando. Oh, really? And they, they show each other like their driver's license, like just a verify, bona fide, like, yeah, I'm really legitimately from, I'm not just lying about Florida, being Florida like most people do. I'm really from Florida. And they show, I've seen this multiple times where they'll pull open their wallet and show each other their driver's license. Like, all right, dude, yeah, Florida. Like, there's only 25 million of us. That's like, weird. <laughs> I've never seen that. I Well, you're from San Francisco, right? And Originally. That's a desirable place to, like, There's a, there are probably some people that are from Stockton, and claim they're from San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you can tell, because you know this, if someone says they're from San Fran yes, or Frisco. It's not legitimate. Or any combination of those, you, you would never say that, right? You'd say, I'm from San Francisco. Right. No, you wouldn't do the nickname. I'm from, I'm from Niner, Niner Country. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. But, of course, the, the diehard fans are always from f- further away. People do lie about where they're from. I don't, I don't blame them for that. Like my grandma, we... My grandma famously, she was an immigrant from Eastern Europe, and she always claimed that she was from Austria because Austria sounded really good. Mm. But she's from some shitty part of Russia. And uh, at some point, like her, her, some of her relatives went back to the old country to find out where she, the little hovel or whatever house where she was from. And it was clearly not in Austria. <laughs> so <laughs> just not even, it was like 100 miles, 150 miles from the border at least. But she always, you know, when you came here to this country, you didn't want to say, like, from whatever the shitty part of Russia was called at the time. So you said, oh, it's from Austria. I got called out the other day and a friend called me out in front of a bunch of people because depending on how annoying the person seems, if you ask me where I'm from and I don't feel like talking about Alaska for an hour and answering your stupid questions, yes. I will just say Seattle because <laughs> right. I can answer questions about Seattle. Um, and there aren't as many follow-ups, right? Oh, what's Seattle like? Right. No, it's just... It's I heard it rains there a lot. Oh, you're from Seattle. Cool. <laughs> I want to go there. Right. All right, great. Do you see uh, Eddie Vedder a lot? <laughs> <laughs> I got called out so hard. But yeah, sometimes you got to lie. I mean... Whatever. I agree. Uh, there's, a st- there's a stigma to being from certain places and so forth. So, I mean, if someone says they're from Detroit, you always go like, uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas if, some, if, some, if someone says they're from New York, I always assume that they're kind of a rough asshole kind of person in New York, in LA. For I always reason. make the joke of what the like what a total moron says when they hear you're from right. a certain place, and the person usually doesn't get it and thinks no. I'm as stupid as the person I'm making fun of. Right. Oh, you're from Maine. You must love lobster. Yeah, <laughs> I do that. <laughs> All right, Matt, that's our show for today. You got something you wish to pimp and promote? Something uh, you're selling? Uh, I got something coming up at mattralston.net. Your minstrel show will be on, on board. <laughs> I can see I can see that happening. Mean, by the way, I, I know that the blackface still goes on certain places in the Deep South or some racist clubs or some shit like that. They still do all this shit, which yeah. is why it's not as funny as it could be, because there is still like people who think that that's cute or adorable. So there are, and probably a lot of them are powerful, semi-powerful people. So, you know, this stuff, I mean, you got you to gotta know. I don't know, like, yeah, you did see it when you were 20 or 25. That wasn't, the guy was a medical school graduate. He wasn't like a rube. He was like a rube, like a, a 15-year-old rube high school kid. And it's black and white, which, you know, when I see it, I'm like, oh, 1950s, they didn't know better. <laughs> it was like 88. Like, why is there, right, and he why put was it, it black and white? I don't and know. he put it in a yearbook. Didn't they have color? <laughs> well, I, I, maybe they took the, <laughs> yeah, they did have color back then. But uh, you, you love 80s movies. You know they were in color. <laughs> but uh, uh, the fact that he put it in his yearbook, placed it in his yearbook, whether or not he's, he's the one in the photo, the fact that he placed it in his yearbook is something you're like, yeah, you don't really think about shit you put in your yearbook. But if it was a KKK picture, you'd probably, it would probably have resonate with you somewhat. There'd probably be some decision-making pro. Like, normally you put a picture of a hot girl or some, you and your buddies on the sports team together. But if you yeah. put a KKK picture, and you probably think about that for a little that while. That means before. you thought it was really acceptable. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, this is Lex, Last Matter. Talk to you next week. I want to go dwarf tossing, midget bowling. I want to go dwarf tossing, midget bowling. I got to go dwarf tossing, midget bowling. I got to go dwarf tossing, midget bowling. Oh, yeah, I just want to have some fun. When I'm throwing and bowling, I feel number one. Sample ain't enough for me. I need more. You see, I wanna go dwarf tossing. Midget bowling.